When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Welcome back to Real 1500 ESPN FC with Philip Mackey and Judson Zalgad United. Put your flags up in the and the Crafty Rogues, Cosgrove and Quino in the house here. We were just talking off the air about uh, night out. National night out. Night out. National night out the last one night. night of the year, because you have to set it up in America. You can't trust neighbors to go out and speak to each other. You have to have a national holiday that encourages them to get out of their right. living rooms and go out and say hi to their neighbors. Is this, is this like the movie The Purge? Is that what that is? <laughs> I was proud of my block in St. Louis Park. We didn't do it. Oh, you're proud of that? I was driving around trying to get organize to... organize something? I, listen, here's the problem. I'm driving around... Trying to get to streets. <sighs> Several streets around my block were blocked off. Oh, too bad. For the charade. They got cones up. I can't get down the... I can't it's get down a, the... It's a... The it's street. A, it's a relationship. You're, you're, you don't, don't need to talk to you. You don't need to be friends. We, listen, neighbors happen to live by you. They don't need to be your friends. Have you gotten into the sherry again? No, I'm dead serious. Are you I, drinking Roycey and Ducherets wine or sherry or whatever it if is? If you want friends, go out and find friends. I'm fine with that. I but think you, you, don't need your need, own you don't need to put garage cones, up, cones up and block my car from going down give your him, block because you've got to go road. eat potato salad from which you're going to get food poisoning. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, if it involves human interaction, Quino, Judd's out, I guess. <laughs> get off my lawn. Does that surprise you? <laughs> no, no, anyway, no, as it really. turns out... <laughs> As it turns out, I'm talking to my neighbor, Brian Wobeking, who is a big fan of this show. He admitted in public last night. Nice. So there's information I didn't know before. <laughs> and he's like, hey, do you know who our old neighbor is? And I'm like, well, you know, we used to be on our block. We used to have Dave Simonette of Trampled by Turtles. Is it him? No. Closer to home, Brad Lane used to oh, live really? in my block. And I'm like, well, that's a bit odd. Now I remember. How, how long ago? About 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So you guys were neighbors, but didn't even know it. I, yeah, Maybe. I mean, I didn't know who he was. It was all fenced in, and there was security outside all the time. And Barbed wire on he top He never of went. Guards, <laughs> like guards with guns on top of he his house. He was like Judd running hang around on, complaining about blocks being blocked. Hang on. Is Brad Lane the name or the address? <laughs> it's been a little of both, actually. So, National Night Out, not only is it fun, engaging, and someone brings a bottle of Jameson Black Barrel, you also learn yes. new things. I was uh, I was at O'Gara's last night watching uh, Beasley's Big Band perform their last ever, because uh, O'Gara's is going to be drastically reduced in size here pretty soon after they build a complex on top of it. That's a different story altogether. I'm walking down the street, though, after it's like 9 o'clock, going to go home for the night, and and to go to the, we parked like a block away from O'Gara's, and there was a street that was coned off, like Judd's explaining. And we're just walking down the street, a bunch of strangers. Hey, like 
open the cooler. You guys want some beer? We're like, it's end of the night, and we're literally like not going to be able to drink all this beer. That's what I like about National Night Out. Ah. You can walk down the sidewalks, and strangers offer you beer. That's Judge. cold Come Australia. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's just a normal day there. That's fine. That's then. what we call Tuesday. <laughs> uh, so can you... All right, we, we had uh, Manny Lagos on yesterday. Christian Ramirez, the most popular player in recent Minnesota soccer history. He gets traded. Here's my question to you two. If you're an MLS team and you've got money to spend and you're looking around the world at players that you want, if you want to find the next Darwin Quintero, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be kind of hard if you're an MLS franchise because it's not the league. If you're an NFL team and you're looking around the world and you say, okay, you want to play American football, you come to the Vikings, right? How does that work for MLS teams in terms of finding talent? What's your point, though? I mean, what's that got to do with Ramirez? What, what, Ramirez is Ramirez is gone, yeah. and they have money to spend now before but, the end of the day today. Basically, but he's gone because they already replaced him with the designated player Rodriguez. But they have money to spend to beef up their rosters. What I'm saying. Here's the thing about MLS football, and I've, I've had conversations with this with people from my own um, side of the pond. This is what makes MLS football or soccer fun: is that there's such an emphasis on offensive players, attacking players. You're seeing players like. Obviously, from the English League, Wayne Rooney, Zlatan at LA in the past, Robbie Keane and these guys, and David Villa. They're signing forward players. The defenses in MLS are shaky, dodgy at best. No one's signing the John Terrys and the central defenders of the world because they're not marquee players. And so what ends up happening, MLS is a fun league to watch because the defenses are crap. So if you've got a half-decent forward like uh, uh, Bradley Phillips, Bradley Wright Phillips, who would barely make the first team in the Premier League, comes over yeah. here and gets record amount of goals because he's playing against dodgy defences. Yeah, well, by and large, centre-halves don't sell tickets. So they're, they're not going to spend money on a defender with an, with an eye to increasing their gait. It may increase performance. As to your question about where do they go looking, they go looking where everybody else does. They just look for bargains. Sure. And uh, Minnesota United already have replaced Ramirez because they've signed Rodriguez and they have Quintero. He's he's surplus to requirements, and maybe they'll go out now and buy a decent central defender. Is Christian gone because he, he flat out didn't get along with Heath? Oh, I don't because think, I mean we it, don't know that, but I suspect he's gone because they bought a replacement who they think is a better player than him. Right. That because they're paying him a lot of money, Rodriguez we're talking about is going to play, and they have Dunlady in the wings if necessary. As John said, he may well have been considered surplus to requirements, and sentiment be damned. There was a market for his services. I think he did. What, I think he proved himself to be a great player and servant for Minnesota United. He came up through the NASL. He made it through almost two seasons in the MLS. Uh, he put in a good performance. But if Minnesota United want to go and keep going in the right direction, it's the Quinteros of the world they need to be signing. It is sad for the fan base, but it's not a bad move for him. He's an L.A. guy. Yeah. And he's gone back to L.A. to a, a fan, decent team. Are fans justified to, to be upset? Because it sounds like, from what you two are saying, that this is not a terrible move, because the immediate reaction on Twitter a couple of nights ago was, oh my God, we love this guy, how could you have traded him? Yeah, of course fans will be upset, because right. they have an emotional attachment to him. Right. But trust me, they will be singing Rodriguez's his name as if, if he's scoring two goals a game, mm-hmm. that stuff dissipates quickly. Yeah, I think the one thing I've seen cited is is the goal rate, or that the, the, it's like 0.5 goals per 90 minutes if you, if you yeah. take Christian Ramirez, and that that's one of the best scoring rates in MLS. But is that an overrated thing to look at? Is that like, because there's a lot of, 
you know, in, in basketball, there's a lot of guys who can put up 20 points, but then don't play defense over here. Maybe they're not helping other teammates over there. Yeah, is, maybe, he, is he overrated? Maybe some of those points were in garbage time as well. Mm-hmm. With Ramirez, I don't know. I don't know the, the advanced analytics. He was a good player uh, that that found his level at NASL, was a very good player at NASL, was a solid player at MLS, and as popular as he was, the club had an opportunity to, inverted commas, upgrade, and they did. And that made him surplus to requirements. That's where the cold, hard fact of it being a business comes in. And I'm with the fans. It's sad to see him go. He was very popular and he worked hard and he was a great representative for the club. But they think they've got themselves a better player and they now have some cash. And those are the decisions. And this is why they bring in someone like Keith, who has to stand up and makes these decisions and lives and dies by him. And if Rodriguez turns out to be a flop, well, then guess what happens to Heath? So he's taken that chance and he's playing the cards. And good luck to him. Yeah. Quintero is special, correct? Oh. Because I'm watching, and, and I don't know nearly as much about the sport as both of you do, but when I watch him, there does seem to be a level of things that he can do that the majority of his teammates can't come close to doing. Yeah. For his, lack of a, a better explanation. The, I think the, the very noticeable thing is his first touch is sublime. Like, his first touch kills the ball dead, and then he has a fraction of a second more than most to make the decision of what to do next. But it's the decision-making that sets him apart. He is looking at runs and passes that a lot of the people around him don't even think about. For this level of football, he is, he is a quality, quality player. And fun to watch. And you can tell, because as I mentioned earlier about dodgy defences, like against Seattle the other night in the first half, those Seattle defenders were looking to heaven for inspiration because they didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Hmm. It is, I, I like your point about if, if you're just looking from a pure marketing standpoint, if you're MLS... We Americans like high scoring, right? Yes. We don't want our American Correct. football to be a 10 to 7 grind fest. We want touchdowns yes. and Tom Brady. And so if. And that's what the MLS is reflecting the culture. Do you know one of the most accomplished and formerly genuinely world class players the league has ever had is still in the league? And it's Ashley Cole, and he's a left fullback, so no one cares. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, he was a. John, am I wrong? One of the Absolutely. best fullbacks Absolutely. in the world. But no one cares because. From a marketing perspective, he's a fullback. Right. And that's what makes, I mean, I listen to other uh, football podcasts in, in the UK and they are actively promoting the MLS because it's fun to watch because these defenses are dodgy. And to go way back to your initial question, Phil, don't discount, this is a destination for players now. If they're playing in Venezuela or they're playing in Costa Rica, the MLS is a wonderful destination. They can make more money and play in a better league in front of bigger crowds with better facilities. This is a good league to play in now. So, John, to your point then, do, does the league eventually improve on the back end and and it becomes a little bit more, I mean, it becomes a better league but n- not as exciting? Or is there going to be a line, a line drawn where because of where MLS just falls among soccer leagues that that improvement takes years and or doesn't happen? The culture has already sort of been set in place. If you think of the Italian leagues, you think of it as being strong in defense and less in offense. If you think of the Premier League, it's fast, it's furious, it's flying tackles, it's passion. If you think of the French League, well, then you need to stop thinking. And then when you think of the MLS, <laughs> you're thinking you of, it, yourself, of it being, you? of it being, being fun. <laughs> And being offensive, I think that culture is is already cementing itself, and it will only it will only grow. 
We were at the game on the weekend, the heartbreaking loss on the weekend. They had 24,500 people there. That is a sustainable crowd figure for any league in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah. I drove by the, uh, the, the stadium looks more and more awesome every day you drive by it too over off Snelling. So looking forward to that. I have in front of me, gentlemen, here the Crafty Rogues are hanging out with us, Mackie and Judd. I have Premier League odds for the 2018 19 season, which starts in two days. But that off season for them is literally like go take a two week vacation and start training again, right? Yeah. It's ridiculous. For so, some of the guys who played in the World Cup, it's exactly that. Yeah. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, well, let's let's start with let's start with your personal favorite to win the EPL this year, and some of your favorite storylines going in for casual fan who's ready to dive in this weekend. Well, the league's already over. Man City have won it, but just by beating Chelsea last week in the preseason warm up, they showed themselves to be. <laughs> streets and miles ahead of everybody else. The difference between this year and last year, we waited eight games in before we decided Man City was going to win the league. We've already decided this year they've won the league unless something catastrophic yeah. happens. They are the odds-on favorite according to Odds Checker. And Not Liber- a surprise. Liverpool is number two by quite a, quite a ways as well. Man United is 12-1, to one, Liverpool's 4-1. to one. It'll still be fun because the the whole um, culture of football in England is based around these rivalries. And even if Man City's winning the league by a canter in February, when they step up to play Liverpool, when they step up to play Man United, those games in of themselves are very fun to watch. I think, as was the case last year, the big six will be the top six. uh, And the big six being uh, the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, and three clubs from London, Chelsea, uh, Tottenham, and Arsenal. I think, like John, I think Manchester City will win it because I can't think of a reason they wouldn't. Liverpool appear to have improved themselves, so I think they're a valid choice for second. Then just toss a coin. And as for outside the big six, mm-hmm. someone always, someone's got to finish seventh. I don't have a clue who it's going it's to be. It's probably going to be Everton. But, but Everton is probably the team most people would pick. Yeah. Does Burnley stay up, boys? That's right. the most yep. important thing. Are you, oh, yeah. are you still a Burnley Does fan? my Burnley club stay up? Yeah, I, I adopted them. I'm sticking with them. They'll do well to repeat last year's performance, but yeah, I can't see because they, they, they were actually down. pretty good last year, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for them, good. they were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're playing in Europe this year, which has added games for them, which puts added pressure on. But they made a couple of good signings this week, so I think they're solid. Who, who are the new teams this year? Is Cardiff? Are they a new team? Cardiff yes. Wolves and Fulham are the three that came up, and okay. we have a soft spot for Fulham because their stadium is a throwback to the glorious 1880s when you go there. It is right on the River Thames in London. You've got to walk through a park to get to the stadium. Nice. You have meat pie stands. You can have a <laughs> pint down at the pub. And they're surrounded by ter- old brick houses. It is glorious. And both of us have been to that stadium. Drinking out of wooden troughs. Is yes. That what's happening yeah, they, uh, there's medieval uh, quartering, <laughs> hanging and quartering of people, pre-match entertainment. It is glorious. The King oh. of England shows up and says, oh, yeah. yay, oh, yay. They've it's, been up before, right? As you said, it's medieval. It's all med cons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fulham's been, been up before, haven't they? Yeah, all these teams have been in the big division before. Okay. Wolves, Wolves are one of the great old clubs in England. They're from the Midlands and they're a big old club. Cardiff are from Wales. They were in the Premier League not so long ago, as were Fulham. Uh, Cosgrove, you were uh, talking with Dave Harrigan before the show too about uh, youth soccer. Is, is it back on the rise in this <sighs> These what do you mean back of the race? Hang on, buckle up, boys. Here he goes. <laughs> no, I had it a, still herd ball and like everyone wants to no, play herd ball when that's you're eight. That's fun. I, I wish it was herd ball. And unfortunately, it's turned into a uh, youth soccer industrial complex. Um, I had a debate with my, because I have three kids. I know that sounds fascinating, but I have three kids. And one, he's, kids. he's 12 years old. He's playing soccer. He's kind of like, he has fun. He also plays hockey. He loves hockey. But he's not what you would consider like a passionate player. He doesn't see this as his future. He's not thinking about scholarships. He's 12. He just wants to go out and have fun. 
for that privilege is $1,500. You got to pony up and he's got to get a shiny new uniform and a shiny backpack. And I'm like, why don't we just get together as parents and have some go to the park and kick a ball around? Because the ultimate thing about soccer is you just need a patch of ground, a ball and just start yeah. kicking around. Now, the, the club that he's part of, the team that he's part of, is going to generate $30,000 for you, 13, to be kicking a ball around. And here's an example this past year. That's pretty aggressive, eh? yeah. And, and that's not counting all the, the travel expenses, etc. So we're based in the Twin Cities. We're based in the South Minneapolis. Last year, we drove to St. Cloud for a game. It was a six-hour round trip between getting there, prepping for the game, whatnot. I kind of had a stopwatch. He played 29 minutes of soccer in a six-hour round trip. You tell me as a 12-year-old, how is that worth anything? Why is it so expensive, though? Like, where's this all going if it doesn't include travel expenses? That's a triple Kevlar shin guard. Let me tell you. The Crafty Rogues, and one in particular, this guy who's got a vested interest, is going to do a lot of what you may consider journalism around this. We're going to have guests on the show, and we're going to be talking about this on a regular basis. I think, huh. I think we need a Crafty Rogues Youth Soccer League. Why don't we have a commissioner president in the studio right now? Because, well, someone will do it because at every step of the process in the pyramid here, it appears that it can be monetized. And here's the deal, too, on that. If you go to the Minnesota Youth Soccer Association website and you try to, as my friend, uh, buddy of mine, Mike, tried to do, tried to start his own team from the neighborhood. He, you know, he wanted to get the kids together and start an own club. He said it's easier to become a citizen of the United States from a cage in Texas than it is to become a team in the Minnesota Youth Association. Well, we'll try to fix that over the next couple months and make sure that that uh, flip-flop. Actually, you know who would love to run a sports league? And he's been rejected by all the professional teams around here. Judd Zolgad is ready to run this new youth soccer league. Yeah, I'll cut the price. Five hundred dollars a parent for my league. If you want your kid to win an extra two fifty, how about a little extra hockey on the side? That would be great. If you could, oh, you don't, you don't even want to. You do not want to go near that sport. Here's your slogan: Judd's Youth Soccer League. Let's negotiate. Yeah. Let's negotiate. <laughs> Anything, anyone can be bought off. Yeah. If, Cosgrove, do you want to be a dud or a stud? Talk to Judd. There it is, Cosgrove. You do not want to get into the the finances of youth hockey in this. Oh, state. we're in that too. Oh, you yeah. are? Why do you think I'm eating beans and rice every day? I was going to say, how, why do, you do you still have a house? Why am I doing this podcast? I used to. <laughs> is that your only shirt? Is, the, is that the one collared shirt that you own now? Oh, man. All right. Find the Crafty Rogues podcast anywhere you would generally download podcasts. 1500ESPN.com. You can follow them on social media. All right. Get the hell out of here. See you, guys. boys. All right. Uh, we'll talk to Matthew Collar from American Football Training Camp here in about 10 minutes. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Metafast. All right, I have a question. We're probably not qualified to answer this because we're not parents of youth-aged... Well, we're not parents, period. Yeah, I was going to say. But Dave is, but none of us are parents of, like, sports-aged children who are playing youth... Soccer, etc. Speak for yourself. She's awesome. Already? 19 months. Golden foot. I'm glad you're proud. (laughs) Like, if your kid has no aspirations of playing professionally or even collegiately, and you just have a 12-year-old kid who wants to play sports and have fun. Sure. And you got to pay $1,500 for a soccer season? Well... What are you... What okay. are you paying for? Like, you're paying for the coach's time. Okay, is Cosgrove talking about, is that like a more competitive division or league? Like, I'd, I'd be curious what, because ordinarily you can, I at least used to be able to find, like, house leagues that were cheaper than that. 
So it has I'm, to be, because he was talking about going up to St. Cloud. So yeah, that's, so that's some sort of a traveling team. I mean, I played in-house for the city of Maplewood. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we went yeah. to the same park every Saturday and played one match for about eight weeks, and that was it. Yeah, me too. And if Don and I ha- had a kid, that kid would be so uncoordinated <laughs> that it would definitely be a house league because the kid would be tripping on, on his, his or her own, own feet. So I wouldn't be concerned about it. Have you ever thought about maybe... Oh, it would be you know, finding be so finding a supreme athlete to, you know what I'm saying? Like to a fertile supreme athlete. <laughs> well, but I can't. And be you a, can still be the father. No, but I can't. I can't be involved because the 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 kid might have my traits. Then no, 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 no. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Go on. I'm sorry. I'm saying go find. Um, give me a supreme athlete like uh, Chris Paul or somebody. All okay. Right. Yeah. Chris Paul or a Mike Trout, okay? Okay. Pay Mike Trout a few bucks. Mike Trout gives you a little a little vial of, you know. Okay. Mike Trout special. But <laughs> And now Mike, Mike Trout And now special. and now your kid has Mike Trout traits. Okay. And you get to raise the kid. Now would, you feel me here? Now would now now would Mike Trout be procreating with with somebody else who has these great traits and then I and then I would just adopt? Well, you could do that too. Because I'd be you could very do that too. Yeah. Because I mean, you couldn't involve. How much would you have to pay Mike Trout to make this happen? Oh, would Mike Trout? If you gave Mike Trout, I don't know, twenty grand, would he? Let's not make it Mike Trout. Would he go that, into the? That's too much. Let's not make it Mike Trout. I think it needs to be somebody else. I think it needs to be somebody else with. Okay. Um... Okay. What about like Robbie Grossman? Yeah, but then the kid couldn't field. <laughs> Oh, beggars can't be choosers. Judd Jr., you want to catch that? You just want your kid to take a couple good at-bats. Pretty soon we're going to find out if Judd Sr. can field. (laughs) Judd Jr., you might want to catch that ball next time. Do you want people to believe it's your child or not? Do you care? Well, wait, wait. If I could... If I could offset the cost by the kid actually being a good enough athlete then to make it pro, so the the kid goes pro and signs a million-dollar contract, I wouldn't care because then I'd be taken care of. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to raise, I don't want to raise a kid to play sports and be okay, yeah. and then that's it because that doesn't help me. You guys How do ever, I benefit? You guys ever seen those stories about? So there's the three Kardashian sisters. There's Kim, um, Chloe, and then yeah, uh, Courtney. Courtney. And the stories that because because Kim and Courtney look a lot alike, mm-hmm. and Chloe looks nothing like the other two. That the rumors are. O.J. Simpson was actually Chloe's father. Really? Yeah. I know what they look like. O.J. Yeah, was, you're right. was really good friends with Robert Kardashian, yes, married to... Which is how we met him. And so there's rumors that maybe maybe uh, Ooh, Kardashian that, wasn't that the... the juice, huh? Because the Kardashians weren't... Cause interesting nickname for him in that context. <laughs> Robert Kardashian was not a... I, I think his name was sort of known, but he wasn't a big name until that trial, I don't think, right? And then no, that's how so. we found out about the rest of the family, and eventually yeah. they all because he died. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, all right, it it took like 30 years for people to start to wonder. Oh, I wonder if that's uh, if there's a different father there. So it, you could essentially skirt by, and nobody would even know until the kid became a pro athlete, and then they'd be like, "That can't be just." Yeah, but you'd be like 75 years old by that oh, time. Oh, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. <laughs> this is an interesting concept. I've never really given it much thought. Yeah. Matthew. I just don't want to pay the high prices that Cosgrove's <laughs> going to pay for his kid to play sports. Or if you're going to, you want to make it worth it. That's the point here. Yep. Matthew Collar will join us. Uh, we, you know, a couple people on Twitter want another kicking update from camp. 
So hopefully Collar can give us a kicker breakdown from training camp next. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. They're buffoons. Mackie and Judd. They are not buffoons. On 1500 ESPN. Football! Football, yeah! yeah! Football! Yeah! Football! Yeah! Matthew, the people of Twitter are clamoring... For a kicking competition update, what have you found out in the last 24 hours since we last spoke to you? Well, uh, both kickers still uh, have legs. Um, They (laughs) both try to line up the kicks and use their mechanics, technique. Nice. Um, I don't know if you ever heard it's similar to a golf swing. So uh, both guys think that same thing. And uh, that's all I got. They didn't really kick yesterday. That has been today's kicking update from Matthew Collar at the TCO TCE Performance Center. Um, (laughs) So yesterday, Mike Mike Prefer said that it's basically even at this point and that we're really just going to have to see when it comes to the preseason games. And then we talked for way too long about the altitude in Denver, and I stopped paying attention to that. And then I love know, that storyline. Go on from there, but but I mean, you know, Daniel Carlson could kick it real far, but Kai Forbath is more experienced, and that's kind of where we stand until we actually see them kick in real game. Richie Incognito, you, your thoughts on a whirlwind day in which uh, in which the Vikings denied that they had interest in him. He called them bleeping liars and then deleted all of those tweets and recanted and said, I'd like to apologize to Coach Zimmer. So here is what I can tell you, that Richie Incognito had conversations with Tony Sperano beyond just what he had tweeted out about potentially coming to the Vikings. And I get the sense that Sperano, who coached him in Miami and they had a good relationship, he was like a father figure to Incognito. They got along really well. So that Sperano was interested in him coming to the Vikings. But, of course, that all changed. And I don't think the Vikings ever showed legitimate interest in bringing in Richie Incognito. That maybe there were some people in the building who thought that would be a good idea because he's a great player and they would just try to manage the personality. But it, it, it never got off the ground. So when Richie Incognito said he had conversations with Minnesota, he was not lying. And I also think that Mike Zimmer was not lying when he said there's no interest. And if Zimmer interpreted it as that there was still interest or they were still reaching out to him incognito because of these offensive line injuries, I think that's where the communication is sort of different there because Zimmer probably thought that incognito meant recently. It was not recently. Uh, so that's kind of where we stand. So in a way, nobody lied. There was just like different interpretations, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Judd and I were talking, you know, we would totally consider this Richie Incognito thing if it weren't for that weird stretch in the spring where he spent time in a mental facility and thought that the government was spying. Like, honestly, if you took away that amount of weirdness and it was just Richie Incognito is kind of a bully and whatever, I honestly think I would be pushing for this to happen. But that's a little bit too much what happened a few months ago. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. If that incident doesn't happen, though, he probably still plays for the Buffalo Bills, I think. I mean, it happened after he was released, but it seemed like there was more going on with him. Remember, against Jacksonville in the playoffs, uh, another player accused him of making some sort of statement or sort of racist comment while they were playing against the Jaguars. So I think that there was that, 
and then you go past that, and he struggled after he got released by the Bills. And so he's not really in a very good place right now, and he might not even be the same player that he was. If he was going to be the same three-time Pro Bowler back-to-back-to-back seasons that he was with Buffalo, he would be such a gigantic upgrade from what they have going into this game on Saturday that you would say, yeah, absolutely. But at this point, uh, yeah, it, it probably has to be a no, and I think that that's how most teams are looking at it because – there are a number of teams around the league. Uh, Seattle signed another guy, J.R. Sweezy, and so there are other teams saying, you know, where could we pick up better offensive linemen? There are just a lack of great offensive linemen in the league in general. So if anyone felt like Incognito was in a great place, he would be with a team already, I think. Absolutely. Uh, so who among the injured linemen, caller uh, comes back first? And I, I saw reports today that Nick Easton got a – a doctor out east to uh, examine his back and neck issues, and, and that we're going to find out here here shortly what's wrong. And I take it, worst-case scenario, we are not talking about a short-term stint for him if, indeed, they find out that it the, the problem is uh, extensive. Yeah, correct. And I think that Nick Easton is a really big part of this offensive line's success. And what you saw last year when he went down is they were scrambling – to fill in for Nick Easton. But I, I talked to Linval Joseph today about Easton, and he said, like, this guy has come a long way over his first couple of years and that he's a smart player and he's tough and he's actually kind of sneaky athletic, if I can use that for Nick Easton, uh, because uh, he's really good at, at getting out there into the into the flat and into the second level and creating openings for screens. And that, that's hard to replace. There aren't too many guys who are really great at that, and that's why he won the job over Alex Boone. So, you know, Linval really raved about what he was like to go up against on a daily basis, even though he isn't the most noticeable or powerful. So that could be a big loss if he's going to be out for a significant time. And when you hear neck and back, that sort of screams like this could be a big problem. Who comes back first, I think, is uh, either Pat Elfline or, or Mike Remmers. And that's the, the silver lining of this. It, right now it looks really bad. And on Saturday it's going to look really bad for the offensive line. But – you know, Elfline is coming back pretty soon here. He's been pushing a giant sled across the ground and looks like he's about ready to come back. And Remmers, it isn't thought to be serious. So if those two are back and you're only having to fill one spot, then it feels a lot different than, you know, our pets' heads are falling off with, uh, you know, three guys being out. Yeah. All right. If, uh, if Hard Knocks were documenting the Vikings, this particular training camp and, and off season. What are some of the things that you'd really love to know that like you you might have an idea about or but but you know it's the NFL and coaches don't tell you everything and players don't tell you everything. What would be the storylines you would rush to your TV and flip on HBO to find out about? I mean, for me, it's very easy. If you're talking about the whole off season, it would just be Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman conversation about the quarterback situation. Because, yeah, you know, it, like did did Zimmer want? them to try Teddy Bridgewater anyway, despite the knee injury. And you see on a daily basis, Teddy Bridgewater is getting first-team reps with the New York Jets, and he might end up winning that starting job if Sam Darnold struggles at all in the preseason. Uh, I think he's a better quarterback than Josh McCown by a pretty wide margin. So, I mean, if he ends up winning that job, will Mike Zimmer be sort of in his office cursing to himself a little bit there that that his knee was going to hold up? Or, you know, did he have to get talked into it? Or, you know, were there people in the building who were arguing for Case Keenum because the price was lower and there were some really good free agents. Uh, there were even some decent free agents on the offensive line like Andrew Norwell and uh, Justin Pugh 
and uh, Nate Soldier. So, like, what, how were those conversations? How did they go down? And how did they ultimately decide that Cousins was the right way to go? I mean, because as far as a logical decision, I think all of us said, yeah, this totally makes sense for a guy who's a proven NFL quarterback and all three of the other quarterbacks you have have major question marks. But I do wonder from Zimmer's standpoint, if he was the last one kind of hanging on to, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd really like to, to still have Teddy. I, I don't think that he misses Case Keenum that much in terms of watching him throw the football, at least the way he talks about it. But with Teddy, that's where I would want to know. What player, if uh, Hard Knocks did come here, what Vikings player who we who we don't think of now that much would you, do you think would emerge? Because, you know, when, when they come and talk to us, it's so cleaned up, right? And th- they're on guard. The, the great thing about Hard Knocks, though, is that that people let their guard down. What player or players do you think would emerge as either characters or would we see in a different light if we saw them in the Hard Knocks context? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I have enough conversations on the side with guys, so I feel like I have a better version than the podium version. Sure. Um, I think uh, I mean, I think Latavius Murray would be a guy that people would really start to gravitate to. Uh, I have a piece coming out <clears throat> excuse me, on him soon about how he is going back to college uh, to get his MBA and he lost his best friend, was shot to death last year and made his first trip back home since he was dealing with that. And that would have been a really good storyline for someone like HBO to dive into. Uh, I think you would see a much more hair down Adam Thielen. And I I don't mean that Adam Thielen is uh, off the field wild or anything like that, but his sense of humor, I think he's actually a really funny guy. And, uh, you know, he doesn't really show it when he goes up to the podium because it's kind of like the sterilized answers and things like that. But, you know, his relationship with Stefan Diggs, and I, I think people would really get a kick out of that when you just don't see that all that often when, when you get his interviews. And the guy that I, I don't ever get anything out of that maybe they would is Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith is the best player in the league who nobody knows about basically i mean Mm -hmm. i think he could have won defensive mvp last year and he's not on the cover of video games he's not doing all the interviews and anything like that maybe they would have gotten him to show a little more of that personality hey we had david backus on the show nhl star david backus and uh, captain leaders with the bruins the last couple years he was on at 9 30 and we we got into some leadership discussions with him and we, we we played the jarvis landry hard knocks, wide receiver meeting room rant that he went on. And we asked, okay, as a guy who's been a captain, who's been a leader for 12 years in the NHL, how would you define great leadership and and a great locker room behind the scenes? And he listed three things. And I'm wondering if, if these three things apply in your mind to the Vikings. He said inclusiveness, so so a group coming together and not, you know, maybe not creating different tiers and pockets within the locker room. Uh, number two, a group of leaders rather than one guy trying to carry the leadership torch. And then number three, building a culture up, which is all, they're all kind of blended together. But when you hear those things, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, of course, I think that they check off all the boxes on those things. Where I would add on, and I don't know as much if this is super important in hockey as it is in football, because football is so complicated when you're talking about different plays and checks and all the things to learn. But the culture that they've created here is one where all the veteran players teach the younger players. Like That is a thing that you are expected to do as a star Minnesota Viking player. And that, again, Linval Joseph even brought that up today about like he's out there trying to succeed, but he's been through this a million times at training camp. He's a superstar. 
but, you know, Jaleel Johnson's not a superstar. So how can he help Jaleel Johnson in that way? I saw one day Xavier Rhodes, $70 million player, out there on the field with undrafted Holton Hill showing him press coverage techniques. I mean, this is 20 minutes after practice. That is something that in other football teams you are not always going to see. I mean, I was you guys know I love Joe Thomas's podcast. He was talking about some veteran players who are concerned about their jobs telling younger players wrong things on purpose. You said that wow. would never, never wow. happen with the Minnesota Vikings. And that's the, I think that is the culture that has been created by the stars. And the way I look at it, too, is I think you're only ever as good in terms of culture as your best players. So if you're the Patriots, your culture is Tom Brady. If you are the uh, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers, it's LeBron James. And that's where it starts. Well, in football, it's got to start with, if it's not an Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's got to start with a lot of different players. And that's what you have here is, you know, probably five, six, seven, eight different leaders. Riley Reef is a guy that no one really knows much about except for all the other offensive linemen, especially the young guys, just rave about the standard he sets. So I think that is in terms of all of that, the Vikings are the class of the league when it comes to that. Think about how hard that is to build. When you when you start to get into the math of how many players are how many players and coaches are part of it, right? I mean, in the NBA, you can turn around a culture pretty quickly. You get the one star player, you 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 get rid of three guys, bring three guys in. It's a twelve man roster, fifteen man roster. In the NFL, it's fifty three. It's training camp up to ninety. It's two dozen staffers and assistant coaches, a head coach, coordinators. Um, I mean, that that is a semi-truck to try and pull a U-turn with if you're starting from the bottom like the Browns are, Matthew. Yeah, and that's where it matters about the, the key personalities you bring in. You know, I mean, if you're looking at Mike Zimmer and what he did, it's no mistake that he brought Terrence Newman here. I mean, Terrence Newman is worshipped by these guys. I mean, they look at him as a 40-year-old NFL player and say, that is my dream, to keep making millions. They don't even care what his PFF score or anything like that is. They're like, this guy's starting at 39 years old. He's making millions still all the way you know, into, the, into mid, midlife here. This is insane. So, th- you know, when you bring that guy here, and he's the smartest player I've ever been around, hands down, and, and he starts to set that standard of staying after practice to teach guys, it kind of trickles down to almost everybody because then, you know, you have Newman who holds extra film sessions by himself with the other corners on Tuesday and he leads those. And so that's where, that's where it begins is like, we're going, we're going to, as players, take it into our own hands. And I think his acquisition, bringing him in as a free agent when Zimmer did was kind of the start of creating that. And then also, you know, if you're not a smart player, you're just gone. Like, they won't keep you. I mean, Cordero Patterson is one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life, but they weren't going to keep him on a Mike Zimmer team because he just wasn't a smart player, and it was as simple as that. And we've seen them only draft smart players. Pat Elfline is an incredibly bright kid. Uh, Brian O'Neill, I had a great conversation with him yesterday. You see the intelligence. It's like across the board, that's what they look for, and I think that they probably make their draft decisions based on it. They make their free agent decisions based on it. That you know, every guy might not have a perfect uh, background off the field or anything like that, but they're only going to keep the the smartest and most professional players. Yep. You can find Collar's written work at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Purple Podcast. Go subscribe anywhere you would find podcasts, and we'll probably catch up with you again tomorrow. Then see you, Collar. All right. Thanks, fellas. All right. Bye, bye, Matthew. And daily kicking updates.
kicking competition updates. They're very important. All the legs are still attached. It's good. The altitude storyline, I love that one. That always comes up. Anytime you play a game in any sport in Denver, right? How's the altitude going to affect the game? Football kicking competitions are so stupid. All right, if you make this 45-yarder in this one random game, then you win the competition. Like, okay. Right. So the track and, record doesn't matter. Well, and then the pressure and then and then if you're young and you and you make that that field goal in in an exhibition game, you could come back in an absolutely uh huge situation in week five and choke and yeah. miss it. And you're like, I, but he made it in the exhibition so, season. So right now if you had to decide, all right, do you do you take a chance on the big leg fifth round draft pick and or do you do you just bring back Kai Forbath, reliable Kai Forbath? Because I just bring back Kai Forbath and I deal with the extra point problem. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's no, there's no way that in this day and age I keep one kicker on a Super Bowl ready team, and and it's a fifth round draft pick. There's no way I do that. Yeah. Uh-uh. All right, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On fifteen hundred. ESPN. Still looking for your help choosing our finalists for Sportscaster Idol. Our judges have narrowed the field to the top ten. Those auditions are posted on the website. After watching them all, vote for your favorite. You can vote once every day. The contestant with the most votes will join the judges' three picks on stage at the State Fair for the Sportscaster Idol finale. Check out all the auditions. 1500ESPN.com Keyword Idol. Right, we got the Ocho on here. ESPN2 is Morphed into ESPN, the Ocho, all day with a bunch of obscure sporting events. Dave, what is this thing that we're watching here? It's it's a, some sort of a one-on-six competition on what looks to be a volleyball court without a net. Kadabi is what we call it. One-on-seven, actually, but you lose players as the game goes on. Is it always one on it's a one group? on however many are left on the other team. So it could be as many as seven, could be down to, oh, I assume, one on one. This isn't good. And it's basically a game of tackle tag. So you send one guy across to the other half where the other team is. He's called the Raider. He has to try to tag as many people as he can, but then also get back to his side without being tackled to the ground. Oh, so, oh. And as, okay. I, as I'm watching it, I kind of figure... You know, like they're playing this kind of game of chicken. Like, you know, he goes forth, they move back, they go forth, he moves back. So I think you can't actually tackle him until he tags somebody. Otherwise, why wouldn't the whole team of seven just, you know, get up and slam him on his head? So I, yeah, it's a weird <laughs> and game. How are and you points get points. And yeah. if you get tagged or tackled, then you get removed. But then if your team tags or tackles somebody, then you get to come back. What and, surface is this? Because they're not wearing pads, but they're being tackled. They're like being slammed. It's like a the gym ground. mat of some sort, like a, like a wrestling mat? Looks is that? Plenty firm. Mm. I, I thought it would maybe even be you know, hardwood or you know some sort of. I think it might be a wrestling mat. Pretty hard surface. Did you guys ever used to play trench in high school? Oh, in middle school, elementary school, yeah. yes. So it's, it's dodgeball, and then if you get eliminated, you go. So you go across the court behind the opposing team to the trench, which yeah. is just like the baseline. Yeah. And so you can throw a ball. So if if so, it's like I'm I'm left on my team. I can throw a ball over the opposing team and into my trench. And if one of my guys or gals catches it, mm-hmm. that person gets to come back onto the active team. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, if you were in the trench and you picked up a ball off the ground, you, you could, could throw then it. also throw it at somebody from behind too. So, so you'd have to be looking both directions. Oh, great game. I don't yes. remember playing that. Dodgeball I played a lot. I don't remember trench. I think they evolved dodgeball from I the love, time that you got done I with love, school. I love dodgeball. 
Now they just put live grenades out there. Like dodgeball, dodgeball was great because you could pick on kids, and and they didn't care at the time. Like now they care. But the violence of dodgeball was fantastic. Well, what games do you remember? So dodgeball, you played. Uh, we played dodgeball in gym class, and we played. We we had this one that was that was played with a volleyball net, but it was like a um, the the object that you threw was like a donut, and it was sort of hard, and so you, you could just whip it at people. That was fun as okay. well. Some floor hockey. Yeah, floor hockey, was which a, could be violent. Uh, there, there was another game. Um, it's called speedball. I want to say. Ah, uh, yeah, that rings a bell. Where or something think, like that, or it was like yes. you could you when you had the ball, you could only take you couldn't dribble, but you could take two steps, mm-hmm. something like that. Like you could take you could take two steps, but you couldn't dribble, and then you had to do something else with the ball. Sounds familiar. You yeah. have to move it around. I remember and, the name name Speedball. Okay, so I'm noticing here this, this game one on one. this game that we're watching where it's like one on seven, and yeah. you have to you have to tag one of the seven and then run back across half court before they tackle you. It looks like they're doing roundhouse sort of spinning kicks. Like they're tagging people with their feet and then running back that yeah, way. You too. can tag with any body part, it seems. That was any, a vicious Any body right part, Dave? Any body part, Phil. Is that guy in trouble there now or what? What's the call? He, he seems upset, but he tackled the guy. I got to find out what more about this. Actually, looks pretty cool. Judd doing play by play of obscure sports is another thing. No, I like do. it. It's cool. <laughs> Uh, you can find us like on, de- on demand at 1500ESPN.com or anywhere you would find podcasts. Find us, Mackie and Judd. See you guys.